Hey guys, what is up and welcome back to the show. Now on today's episode, we're going to be talking a lot of college football playoff and a couple of the other bowl games that were very important. We're going to be talking Arizona Bowl because that was just funny. We got to talk about that. Uh, we're, we're talking um, uh, the college football playoff. That was crazy. Um, we're talking uh Cotton Bowl. We're talking a little bit of Rose Bowl. I'm making this podcast as the Rose Bowl is happening. Uh, we look back here. It is uh, first and goal for Penn State, so there might be a little bit less Rose Bowl, but it's got everything else. And we also were talking a little bit about the NFL too, because obviously this is that time where the NFL playoffs is coming up, and uh, so we're we're gonna hop right into that. I hope you enjoy this episode. So first things first, uh, I've been playing around with the sounds, obviously, as you could probably hear now, um, because I got this pod track for Christmas. It's pod track P- P4. It's a interface. It's got sound buttons. It's got everything. You know, it's got all that type of stuff. But yeah, so uh, hopefully it sounds better. But so first, well, let's before we get in, so I went to the Orange Bowl, and I thought it was a good experience that I should probably share with you. I, when I when this video hits YouTube, if it hits YouTube, I will uh, I'll put a, put some of the videos from it. If if you follow the channel, you 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 saw the one of the Rocky Top fans, or the Tennessee fans singing Rocky Top. Um, but no, so here we have it. We have so I went to the Orange Bowl. So and really this game, it gave me respect for the upper level because we were sitting 342, the first row, and you know what? We could really see the whole entire thing. Like I thought I I usually ruled out upper section, and now and now it's like. I'm willing to sit up there. I mean, the only thing from the first row was the bar. Um, that was, like, obviously you have to have that there. You don't want anyone falling off. But, I obviously, that's really just more of a personal problem because I'm not very tall. Um, but, you know, overall, it was just a great seat. I mean, you could see everything. We were right next to a Jumbotron. Um, we, I mean, it had everything. Obviously, you prefer to sit close to the field. But I'm, I really liked the seats. And, and it was just fun to be at the Orange Bowl, you know. And, and just for, for the game... The Rocky Top was insane. I mean, it was just a great atmosphere overall. And, and for the game itself, you know, so um, it was a game where you had obviously no Hinton Hooker because he tore his ACL. Um, and then you had no Hyatt. Um, I'm not sure who wasn't playing on the other side of the ball. Um, obviously, DJ was in the transfer portal, so he wasn't going to be playing. Um, and But other than that, I'm not really sure who opted out, but Dabo was mad for a lot of this, and I could really understand why. I mean, just Clemson couldn't get anything going. Um, uh, Cade Cade, uh, Cade Klubnik, uh, their quarterback, I mean, I think he's the QB of their future. Obviously, he's very talented. He was a highly touted recruit out of coming out of high school. Um, But I just clearly he doesn't have everything you need yet in order to be able to step up in a game like the Orange Bowl against a good team like Tennessee. Like he has, you could tell he has the potential to be a really, really, really good QB. Just in a game like this, he just doesn't have it all yet. 
Um, and it's really part of the reason why they only scored 14 points. And on the other side of the ball is just some blown stuff and, and just a really, really good game for for Clemson or for Tennessee overall. Obviously, Nohan and Hookerman, they're back up. Um, uh, Joe Milton was really able to show out. Um, I'm not sure if he's a senior. Um, Joe Milton, one second. Uh, let's see. Joe Milton. Um, I mean, he could probably he could come back for his like I think his extra year because he's a senior right now. Yeah, he's a senior right now. Like this year, he's thrown 971 yards, 10 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. I would not be surprised if he decided to come back for his next for his last year, just because he would want to probably try to get to the NFL. But no, he played a really, really, really good game, and uh, it, it was cruising from the start. They went up 14-0, 21-6, and BT Potter couldn't make a field goal to save his life. You know, it was just a really good. It was a good game. I mean, it was fun to watch. It was nothing like the college football playoff games, but it was it was a good game to watch. But the only thing I'm disappointed with, as someone who went to the game, is I wish I wish it was a little bit closer. Because obviously, I wanted Tennessee to win, but it's not like I'm a big fan of Clemson or a big fan of Tennessee. I was just hoping for a really, really good close game. Like I'd rather have been 17-14 going down to the wire than be 31-14 uh, to 14 like it was. But, you know, just a great game. And uh, Josh Whiteboy, I, I know I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but I, but this is a really, really, really good year for him. Obviously, he deserved that extension that he got. Just everything he's been able to come in and do after the recruiting violations um, after the recruiting violations, and he's still able to put together a really good team. Obviously, it's still an SEC team. They're going to get recruits. But just what he's been able to do with it has been really, really, really good. And this is just a another example of it. And this is a, a game that's going to get them better recruiting talent and stuff. And, and I don't I think they're going to be contending for the SEC every single year. I don't think Alabama's going to go on another big streak on them. Um, and, and I just think that, for Tennessee, the future is very, very bright. Obviously, Clemson, this is—I mean—you could consider it a second down year. Usually, they're in, they're competing for the playoff in the playoff, but this year it's not there again. And and Dabo was clearly frustrated with how everything was going. I saw him—I we were on the Clemson sideline. I saw him throw his play sheet a couple of times. I saw him take his headset off. I saw him yelling at at his uh, staff on the sideline. Just clearly not happy with the way the game was going and rightfully so I mean it just wasn't it wasn't the game for Clemson and it was just overall just a fun experience to be there again uh, for second Orange Bowl obviously I went to the one in 2019 when UVA was in it just they just weren't there and and so it just Tennessee took advantage they pulled away and I was just really surprised by their defensive performance obviously it's a performance that I did not expect because their defense had not been great at times this year obviously going up against a backup quarterback and just for MVPs of the game Tennessee's defense and Squirrel Squirrel White, uh, someone I had not heard of before this game. He had uh, a lot. He was a lot going on. I don't know his exact stat line, but it seemed like that they were calling his name all night. All right, so the second game that we're going to be talking about here today was the instant classic between TCU and Michigan. Really officially classified as an upset. You got Michigan falling to TCU in a game where they were just bullied left and right a game that they should have won and really for me it started let's just like just how big of a thriller it was like that's the first point i have to make it 51-45 you had 96 points you had scoring you had defense you had clutch stops you had turnovers it, it was everything you could have asked for in an entertaining football game um and really what started it off is 
what how TCU set the tone early. They had that early pick six to go up seven nothing, and that kind of can relieve the pressure off the offense and put more pressure on Michigan as a whole. So really early, you have TCU who set the tone for the remainder of the game, and and just <clears throat> you start to feel like. TCU had a chance. Obviously, coming in, it's it's really supposed to be Michigan's game, but then you feel like TCU had a chance, and then, it, like, you, you felt like they had a chance, but you still felt like you had your money on Michigan, but then as the game was going on, you were like, okay, TCU, they're, they're trading blows with Michigan now, and, and they kept staying ahead. If Michigan did something, TCU seemed to find a way to answer, how, no matter how crazy or or different, or anything it was, whether it was defense or offense, they found a way to answer. Um, and just when it mattered, I, I just feel like I just feel like when it mattered, TCU was the team that came out on top when it was a clutch moment, when 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 it was a big important decision, when something when something was big and crucial. It seemed like TCU was the one more times than not. Like more, like way more than Michigan. It seemed like they were the team that had it, like had the the answers more than Michigan did. It just felt like Michigan was bullied around in this game, and they weren't really there. And TCU was the were like the big man on campus in this. Um, and just uh, another thing for this game is let's just talk about so the trading blows, and then you come down to the end when Michigan, it's 51-45, Michigan gets the ball back, and they have a chance to go down the field in less than a minute and try to win the game. And with that, there was that, it was on fourth down, and the targeting, the, the suspected targeting, the no call on the targeting. What... I, for me, it was clearly targeting. It was the definition of targeting when they showed the ba- the replay of the TCU guy, like from the back of the TCU guy. When he was down, he was his body, his torso was fully sideways, and you couldn't even see his head anymore until it made contact with McCarthy. And now, by mo- not, by, I'm going to tell you now, I wanted TCU to win this game. This is not. I'm not being biased here. I wanted TCU to win this game. And I, I, I'm just going to come out and say, that was clearly targeting. And this was not the first bad call um, on, on this game. You had them review that, that touchdown, that touchdown, the first, I think it was the first touchdown by Michigan where he kind of bobbled it, regained control, and then they called him down at the one. And then on that one-yard play, they fumbled it. Oh, trouble with the snap. Ever heard that before? Um, they 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 fumbled it. TCU got the ball back. No points on the board for Michigan. When it seemed like originally it was a touchdown, you kind of wonder. I mean, I'm not saying it was a touchdown. I'm just saying, was there enough to overturn that? So you had that. You had that. What seemed like a targeting call that should have been, or that no targeting that should have been called targeting. And then you had. You also had that roughing the passer on TCU. It was just these things in a game like this where 
where you had a team that was trailing, it was close a lot of the game, it seemed like every single, no matter what, each team still had a chance in a game like this, it has to be better. I mean, I, there's so much money that goes into college football, and you just would think that, that they would have money for better refs, especially in a game like the college football playoff semifinal. They're, I mean, the, these the targeting, the rough in the passer, and, and that no touchdown, just in my opinion, were three of the most bad calls. Um, that that were the things that were missed. Obviously, there was a couple. There was other things, but just generally, I just feel like it's it's obviously hard. I'm not saying being a ref is easy. It's just you kind of have to be a little bit better in this situation. But really, just anyways, overall, what put TCU on top it was the ability to in the clutch moments, in the big moments, they always had answers. They weren't getting bullied around like they were doing to Michigan. Michigan was the lower. It was like. In this game, even though it was close, it seemed like a dog, like TCU was the big dog, and Michigan was Michigan was the little dog that was submitting to the big dog in this situation. Obviously, that's a bad analogy, but you get what I'm saying. It just seemed like that TCU always had the answers, despite being an underdog. They had the big plays. The big plays is what made the difference. Like I put a bet on Max Duggan to get on Fliff to get uh, two passing touchdowns and for TCU to win. Uh, it, it was it was a good, it was like plus 900 and it happened. I got like $50 from it, but the the two passing touchdowns, they were dump offs. They were dump offs and it was the the receivers getting big plays. It was the it was the fact that TCU had the answers in the big moments, if, if if Michigan went down the field and scored, cut it to a one-possession game, TCU came right back down with their blow of their own. They were able to, in the clutch moments, have the big plays in order to keep the lead so then if it came down to a final possession, they would have the opportunity to stop it. They didn't. They never let it get to a tie game again or a game where they were losing from the start. Even though, like, you saw the stat. Michigan was only giving up 5.7 points per game in the second half, and they'd only given up two touchdowns in the last nine games. Well, TCU threw that in the garbage, said, I don't, I don't care about that, and they just made Michigan bow down to them a lot of the game. It was a very close game, and Michigan obviously is a little bit of a better team on paper. Obviously, I didn't think TCU had no chance, but I, I expected Michigan to come out win by five to eight points um, and, and have a consistent lead. But in this case, it was the other team that had the five to eight point lead consistently, maybe, and at times it was even more. Just TCU was the big dog here. They were able to have the answers and just um they would it was just body blows after body blows even though Michigan had the answers at times, TCU had the even bigger oppor- bigger answers and that's what ultimately puts them here in the national championship game. Um obviously against Georgia we'll get into that in a second, but just a disappointing year for for Michigan. I mean, obviously you had the you beat Ohio State at Ohio State, you destroyed Ohio State. Um, and you prove that you don't need Blake Corum to win games. Obviously, he's a big part, and if you wish you had him, but you don't you don't rely on Blake Corum in order to win your games on the offensive end. And and so after that Ohio State game, you felt like okay, this Michigan team they're good. They should be number two. They have a legitimate shot this time at the national championship. Like last year, really. Th- even before the game, you just felt like no way they're losing, no way they're beating Georgia, and obviously that turned out to be like a 34-11 game. And but this year, you legitimately felt like they had a shot. They could have beaten T- TCU, and they had a legit shot 
Obviously, Georgia would still be the favorite, assuming they won, but they had a legit shot at winning the national title, and it just all fell away. They they were just getting disrespected on another level, and they just they just weren't able to find the answers. And just really, what was a really good season? You win you win the Big Ten, you beat your rival Ohio State by twenty two points uh, at Ohio State at their house. Um, you f- make those fans disappointed, and then. You come into the playoff with high expectations, big hopes, and legitimate hopes, and you just you weren't able to get it done. And TCU, just props, just ultimate props to TCU. Like they were able to come in, they clearly had a good game plan. I really like what Sonny Dykes is doing, and they clearly had a good game plan, and they use it to effective. They used it effectively. They 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 embraced the fact that that. Michigan had such a good second-half defense. They didn't care about it. They didn't let it get to them. And they ultimately won the game with, as by being just the better team on this day. And, and they just gave Michigan really not a large chance to come back. And obviously can't say no chance because it was close most of the time. But it's just ultimately TCU did the better things in the right moments. And that's what brought them to the national championship game. But really just instant classic, 96 points. Thousand yards. Um, it had everything you could have asked for in a college football semifinal. Um, I stayed there and watched the whole game. I didn't even pull out my phone much except for on commercials. I was glued in there and just really overall, what a great game. All right, I just really wanted to put that back in there again. Um, you know, okay, uh, pause, but, um, uh, you know. Um, but now we, we move on to the second game. I, I'm just having fun with these sounds, you know. Just I have four buttons on this thing, and it's really exciting me, you know. Um, so, anyways, Georgia versus Ohio State. You have the strong start for OSU, which is really crucial for a game like this. You know coming in. Georgia is a second-half team. They have been that way all year. You look at the Georgia Tech game. That, that they played. Obviously, Georgia Tech has a losing record. They're, and it's, I think it was at Georgia. This is a game that they really, on paper, should be having no trouble with. And they're having trouble with it early. Then you move into the second half, and they pull away. They win by 23 points. I'm not sure if that covered the spread. It probably didn't. But they pull away. They win by 23 points. And so that, 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 that's just one of those examples. So this is big for Ohio State to get this 21-7 to lead because they're going to want to be scoring as many points as possible and, and taking advantage of as many opportunities as possible that they have uh, because when the second half comes around, most likely it's going to turn into Georgia's game the way they want it to be, lower scoring because how good their defense is. They're going to want it to be – they're just going to want it to be possession football and that type of thing. And so – uh, and just the first thing, um, I'll maybe put it on there. Uh, I'll put it, put it on there. Um, the the whole turf monster thing. I remember. So Chris Fowler, he's like, so it's a breakaway, and and 
and at the 10 yard line he's like oh touchdown but there's like oh are you kidding me the turf monster got him he falls over it's just a moment that i at looking at the tv screen it was just funny watching him call it from 10 yards away and then the old announcer jinx uh really coming into play there if you did any doubts about the announcer jinx well uh that probably put it away for you um and but anyways back to normal terms uh four minutes left in the second quarter the legal motion ends drive um, and and the fourth fourth conversion, in uh, that the fifty fifty five second drive for Ohio State to take the tw- big twenty eight twenty four lead going in halftime. They were having trouble. They uh, obviously up twenty one to seven, and then it's seventeen unanswered points for Georgia. This is a big 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 drive for. Ohio State to get that lead going into halftime, get that little bit of momentum, get that little bit of confidence saying, hey, we're leading at halftime. We got a legitimate shot to win this game. We know what's ahead of us, but we got a good shot at it. And here it is, second half Georgia. They outscore them 18-13. to 13. That's exactly what they want. They want less points. They want they want to pound you on pound you defensively. They want to give you no opportunity. And that's exactly what happened. They want it to be that lower scoring because of that defense. And that's exactly what happened here in the second half. Uh, 18 to 13 for Georgia. And I'm going to be honest. If there's anything I missed, I didn't watch most of the four. I didn't watch the fourth quarter because, you know, I was so tired. So we were on vacation in Florida and we're obviously we're all in the same hotel room. My brother's sitting over there. He's still watching the game on the TV. Obviously something that I'm really interested in and wanted to keep watching. But I was so I was at the, I was at the point where I was open, I was content, I was watching it, and then I was like like squinting my eyes and then I was going in and out of like doze I was like dozing off for like ten seconds, my eyes were closed, and then eventually I just turned over and I was like <sighs> like I was just out forever for the rest of the day. And like that just shows you like I was like so just Really just so they were able to come in in the second half and just do what they wanted to do, play the football they wanted to play. And that just shows you how Kirby Smart is. Obviously, really, really good halftime adjustments. Um, And so they they were able to come out, play that game that they wanted to play, and it ultimately beats um, Ohio State. And just what's so disappointing is, is Ruggles, I think I'm pretty sure he's a good kicker. Um, obviously, when, I'm not sure he'd be starting at Ohio State if it weren't for it. But he comes out. The I, I, there's jokes of him now, of like you know, when you're playing Madden, there you you get the kicking meter. It's as if he put it all the way to the left intentionally. Obviously, he wants to make it. It's the biggest kick of his life. It's to go to the national championship. It's from 50 yards. No easy kick. It's against the number one team in the country. Obviously. All the pressure is piled on him. They want him to make it. They need him to make it. And so maybe the pressure just got to him or something, but they had the ultimate opportunity to win this game and be playing TCU in the national championship. And in a a time with with the playoff where the margin of victory is very big in the semifinals, usually for the higher seeded team, this would have been this would have been very crazy, a four versus three in the final, um, and I, that's that's the potential I really wanted to see. There's a lot of good potential things to happen. The four versus three, Ohio State versus Michigan for the national title, um, you know, just so many good things. And it just, you know, I, just is surprising with TCU, but but you know, I, I I'm losing my thought here. Um, but anyways, you know, just I I I I'll be honest, I don't like either of these teams. But I really wanted Ohio State to win. I don't want Georgia to repeat. I just don't want Georgia to repeat. If anything to happen in this playoff, 
I don't want Georgia to repeat. Really, for me, I want TCU to win, and I don't want Georgia to repeat. Just before the tournament, that's kind of what I wanted. You know, unlikely for both of those things to happen, but that's what I want. I mean, it could still become a reality, but, you know, I just – I wish – imagine if he made that kick. I mean, just – just, but imagine what Ohio State fans are thinking right now. You know how they are. Um, they already lost to uh, Michigan by 23 at – 22 at home. At home, and it's Michigan. You do not want. They do not want to lose to Michigan. Obviously, um, one of the bigger rivals in uh rivals rivalry games in college football. Um, and then they come into the playoff. They're winning at halftime. They have an opportunity to stay in it and win it. And then they have a fifty-yard field goal for the win, and it's no good, and they lose by one point. You just got to imagine what they're thinking right now. All right, so the next thing that we need to talk about here is, you know, it wasn't in the initial plan, but now that the game was so good that we're definitely talking about it now, it was the Cotton Bowl. Now, the Cotton Bowl, as you probably know, is the Tulane versus uh, USC game. And a game that coming in, obviously USC comes in as favorites. But let's take a moment to step back, you know, and just talk about Tulane's season. They were terrible last year. I think they only had two or three wins. And they're coming from the American Conference. And, and you know, teams from those conferences, obviously Cincinnati got into the playoffs, and them losing that bad made it worse for the American Conference. And, you know, they're able to do, and I think that they're a legit American Conference team, especially for the future, you know. Like, no one really came in with a lot of expectations for them. And then, then they come out, they beat Kansas State, and they just have a really, really good season. Other than that loss, I think they lost to Southern Miss at one point earlier in the season. But other than the loss to Southern Miss, they they really have had a very, very good season. They had the bounce back after the loss to UCF to win the American Conference and make their way into the Cotton Bowl. Now they come into the Cotton Bowl, and they're an American team. And, and, you, and they come in here, and you're already thinking, man, what a turnaround already. Win or lose this game, obviously they want to win this game. But even if they don't win this game, it's still a clap it up for you, great season. Um, but then they're in here now, and, and it seems like in the second half, USC's starting to pull away. USC's playing a very good game. Caleb Williams is playing a very good game, as you expect him to. And then out of nowhere, it's 45-30. to 30. Then a touchdown comes for Tulane. Um, a very, very quick drive. And then... The USC return man muffed the kick return, and the ball goes out of bounds at the one. So now they're starting their drive at the one. And instead of keeping it in Caleb Williams' hands on a run or a pass, they decide to hand it off. And they hand it off at the one-yard line, and he is swallowed up. Clearly a safety five yards deep into the end zone. Now it's 39-45. to And obviously, after a safety, you get the ball back. And so now, Tulane, it doesn't look like they're going to do it. It really doesn't look like they're going to do it. But they make it down there. They get down there. They convert a fourth down on a wide-open man. Um, And they make it. They get down to, like, the 10-yard line. They review a targeting. was called no targeting. Um, But now it's still first and goal. And then they get into the end zone. It's ruled uh, incomplete, I'm pretty sure. And then they, they go to replay. It moves around a lot, but it never touches the ground. And it is ruled a touchdown. 
extra point is up and good. That is 16 unanswered points for Tulane. And they win the Cotton Bowl. So you have Tulane coming in with a terrible team. Not this year. I'm talking about last year. They were not good. I'm pretty sure they had two or three wins. They come in. I don't know if it's a fresh coach or not. But they come in this season. Already a good season. And then they finish it all off with a win over the Pac-12 runner-ups. Over Caleb Williams, the Heisman winner. Over Lincoln Riley. And against all expectations. What It's just what a game. Like Tulane, I think that this is going to ho- hopefully boost their recruiting. And I feel like that they should be able to uh, stay this way for at least a few more years. If they stay this way, they might need to expand their stadium because they might need to be able to pack more fans in there to get them excited for this football. But, uh, yeah, Tulane, they win They win the Cotton Bowl and is, is a, I wouldn't say a shocker, but definitely a big surprise, you know. And so they're, they come out 46-45. In another, just a what a game moment. Like 46 to 45, back and forth. Then you have a team coming from behind, a safety, a muffed, a muffed kickoff, just a game where they, they're kind of selling. And then, and then they come back in it and they, they win. They win the game. And, and just really just a great overall season for Tulane. Just something that I had to touch on a little bit. All right, now next, you know, going to be honest. I mean, okay, so uh, it looks like Penn State is about to win the Rose Bowl. Uh, second year in a row for Utah in the Rose Bowl. I think they played Ohio State last year. Second time they're going to lose. Second time Cam Rising goes down. Disappointing. It looked like a solid game. Cam Rising goes down. It kind of seems like to all dismantle a little bit. Um, and, and just the defense, just generally, though, just the defense by uh, Penn State's really had just been too stifling. And another game where... For me, I thought Utah was going to win this game, but now they're not going to win this game. They're down by 21 points, four minutes left, um, and just a great win for Penn State and Coach Franklin. Just something, I mean, I, I feel like a little bit, not really, but Franklin was having not a hot seat, but like they wanted him to get some success in postseason. And and look, looking here, Rose Bowl victory, I think they should have a lot of trust in him. But that that's that for that. I said that a lot. Okay, whatever, moving on. All right, you guys now know what time it is. It is time to get into some NFL. Um, and as you know, the NFL playoffs are coming up, so that gives room for all the different scenarios and everything and all that type of stuff. So we got Carolina Bucks. We got we got uh, the Steelers getting a big win against the Ravens. Uh, we got so the Buccaneers and the Panthers down at Raymond James Stadium. You have Carolina. They fall, but Sam Darnold delivers a great performance. Is he the future starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, even though they are now eliminated from the playoffs? The Tampa Bay will not be denied of a playoff position as he makes it in for I have no idea how long. And he spent over half of his days in the NFL, in the AFC something, I don't know. The Steelers defeat the Ravens in a come-from-behind victory in what is crucial in keeping their season alive they will have to play against the browns at home next week and a much other things will have to go right for them in order for them to make the playoffs i'm sure evan would be proud of that um anyways moving on now tonight the bills and the Bengals. whoever wins this game 
clearly is probably one of the main Super Bowl contenders, especially in the AFC. And that game, most likely the Bills will win. I think Josh Allen will be too much for Joe Burrow tonight. And the Bills will claim the number one seed in the entire AFC come the end of week 18. And they should be, no doubt, out of the Super Bowl. The Giants, the New York football Giants, under first-year head coach Brian Dable, have waited more than five years for this one, and the Giants are back in the postseason as the fans up in East Rutherford are elated for their beloved team to be back in the playoffs. Not too far from there, though, the New York Jets have been eliminated from the playoff race as Zach Wilson and his comments have not made the team better as he has been awful throughout the season. The New York Jets, after what they thought Sala was going to bring him to the playoffs, that will not be this year because they have lacked a consistent good quarterback. Unfortunately for the Saints, though, they have been eliminated from playoff contention after my Carolina Panthers have been unable to defeat the Buccaneers, as mentioned previously. They were able to beat the number one seed in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles, but despite their efforts, they will not be making the playoffs this year, and now the number one spot in the entire NFC is in jeopardy. The Broncos, after firing uh, Nathaniel Hackett, looked like a much better team. I don't know how, but it looked like that they were playing some solid ball, but they still fall to the Kansas City Chiefs after giving them a scare over in the AFC matchup. What a disappointing season there. For the Jaguars, though, they can win and get in next week against the Titans, which would be big for Trevor Lawrence in his young career, proving that he might be a legitimate quarterback for the Jaguars and not a bum. If they lose, though, the Bills can beat the Patriots in Week 18 and the Jets beat the Dolphins, and then I'm pretty sure they're in. Do not quote me on that one, though. But this has been the fastest two minutes. I know it's not original, but enjoy the Bills versus Bengals. Thank you guys so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, follow me on Twitter. I'm kind of inactive, but, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. This video should be up on YouTube by tomorrow or Wednesday. Um, but anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm Preston Green, and I'll talk to you next time on the show.